Big Issue Small Talk, your very own podcast where we tell stories about people's journey of mental well-being. I'm your host, Alisa. Welcome everyone to the podcast, Big Issue Small Talk. Since the early 1990s, breast cancer has become the most common cancer among women in Hong Kong. It has the fourth highest mortality rate. Um, Before it, lungs, colorectum and liver cancer has the highest mortality rates, respectively. I met our guest today at a stand-up comedy night hosted by her a few years back. As I remember, she performed last that night, but the humor lasted with me until today. Her last line of her stand-up was, The best thing that cancer brought was now her husband can have whatever breast size he likes. Today, I'm joined by a breast cancer survivor and a member of Hong Kong Nepalese community, Aruna Rana. Welcome, Aruna Ji, to the podcast. Hello. Thank you. I admired how you converted your uh, personal tragedy into humor that night. I think it was uh, in 2018, quite some time ago. However, um, it is still fresh in my mind. I believe humor helps us cope with negative life experiences as well as keep our mental well-being intact. So I want to first ask you, what made you decide that you wanted to do stand-up comedy that night. Um, thank you very much for uh, inviting me here at your program, uh, Elsa. Um, basically, uh, it was just a few days uh, earlier mm-hmm. before that that uh, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And when you're diagnosed uh, at first, it's not that easy to digest the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, you are kind of lost and completely... The blank is there. Yeah. You, you, you are, you're, you're not so sure what to do, what's going on. Mm. Uh, but then the life doesn't end there. Mm. You need to carry on. So for me, I personally find being a stand-up comedian, Yeah. that moment, that time was a huge amount of mind diversion mm-hmm. yeah, and something that actually kick in that, okay, you want to do something, do it. Why wait for tomorrow? Do it now. Mm. And it really helped me out a lot as well because mm. there were friends who came there to see um, uh, the stand-up uh, comedy to the soul. They yeah. came there and... I haven't actually talked to them because I didn't have the guts to talk to them as well. Mm-hmm. But then when I was uh, the doing the stand-up comedy, yeah. then it just came naturally to me to uh, just say it up front there, which actually helped me mm-hmm. in a way that, okay, rather than being sad and crying, there is also the other means, other ways that actually I can let my friends know that I am just diagnosed with the breast cancer. Yeah, and what better way to say that in a humorous way? Yes. (laughs) So you basically helped break the ice there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let's rewind a little bit back to when you found out um, that you have uh, breast cancer. 
you said uh, it was just few days before that comedy night. So how did you find about it? Was it during your regular mammogram, during self-screening? Well, basically, uh, I do my regular mammogram as well. And uh, what is it recommended was uh, once in every two years. Yeah. So it has been a year and a half. And I knew that soon that I'm going to have to go through the mammogram, but it was not due yet. So mm-hmm. I had still had six months more that I can go do a mammogram. Mm-hmm. Uh, one night, I, I just felt the pain uh, on 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 the breast. Okay. Uh, so I just thought, okay, this is the time of the month. So I completely ignore it. You know how Hong Kong is such a busy, um, hectic... Um, you, most of the people are really busy in yeah. day-to-day life in Hong Kong. You know what I mean? Yes, I know. And, and I just thought, okay, that's it. And the second day, I feel the sharp pain again and I just ignore again. Ay, it's it's just the time of the month. <laughs> so you thought it was a, um, a sign that you uh, were going to have your period very yes, soon? Yes, okay. menstruation. But on the third night, when I felt the pain again... I just realized I had the pain only on the right side. Uh-huh. I just said, wait a second. If it is the time for the menstruation, it should be on the both sides, not on the one. Mm. So I just thought, okay, maybe I just check. Mm. Then I put my hand on my breast and I was shocked to find such a big lump. Uh-huh. Where was I? I was like completely ignoring it or why didn't I notice it? Uh-huh. So that's how I find out. And then, okay, this looks a bit... Uh, scary so i must go and see a doctor and that's the time that i went to see a doctor and uh, yeah later on i was diagnosed with the breast cancer and what stage of cancer were you diagnosed with it's a stage two stage two Mm -hmm. so you you just said that uh right before uh, you felt the sharp pain uh, you have never experienced any kind of other symptoms you have never seen any lumps or dimples on your breast so it's just that was the only the first and the last yeah ex- that was symptoms the, yeah that was the only first and the last thing and um I, I would say i'm lucky that actually i feel the sharp pain because mm-hmm. a lot of people they don't feel the pain either yeah yeah it's just very silent yes yes okay so. And uh, so after that, you went to see the doctor for regular mammogram and you found out that, yeah, it is yeah. breast cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's how I find out after that. Uh, I had to do the mammogram and then ultrasound and then had to do the biopsy as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so how do you describe the path from finding out you have breast cancer and accepting it? I'm sure it was, you know, the news was a shock. Indeed. Um, I think in, in it's a human nature. Like, uh, for example, I hear a lot on the news or I read the news that a lot of people had cancer or mm. somebody passed away due to a cancer. But then... I think it's in the nature like, okay, this is some kind of disease out there, but it's not going to happen to me. Mm. Until the time you realize that it has happened to me. Actually, it is happening to me right now. Yeah, it is happening to me. Okay. It's just like, oh, and it's not a something very small, you know. Mm. So the first time when I was diagnosed, the first thing that came into my mind is like, seriously, is it really happening? Mm. When doctor, like announced that, um, okay, I, I was, um, I had a cancer, then um, I, I was shocked. And um, I don't even remember walking almost like 20 minutes without knowing what's going on in the surroundings. And I was completely, because 
I went for the result thinking that okay, I'm fine because the pain was not there anymore. Mm. So by the time I went to see a doctor, I said, "Hey, hello. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, nothing is going to happen. Yeah, the, the pain, pain is pain not is there. You, for, you forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> then when you go there with a different mindset, mm. and suddenly you get that blow, mm. you're done. Yeah. So it's a really, really shocking moment, and it's hard to accept as well. Then you need to take a time to digest. Mm. It does take time. Um, the the first early moment is always the most difficult one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was talking with you before this uh, recording, and you said that uh, you know the most difficult part is the earliest, uh, you know, part of the whole process. So yeah. uh, I'm sure it was a roller coaster journey for you and the family right from the diagnosis and uh, you know um figuring out what stage it was and then doing all the tests and going to treatment and also after that you know being in a maintenance phase each step of the way it takes physical and mental toll right yeah so for many people they may experience stress anxiety fear not knowing what the future holds what kind of toll did it took on your mental health we will talk about the family in a while first your experience so as for the mental health the the first time when when you're diagnosed um okay that's the time that okay it's confirmed that you're diagnosed but then when you have to go through the several of the tests like mm-hmm. ct scan or the uh pet scan mm. then it takes some time for the result mm. and that i find that moment the most scariest because you don't actually know how much time you have yeah that uncertainty yes because when when you're diagnosed with cancer they won't tell you you're at this stage two right now and yeah they will just tell you okay and the uncertainties i think we as a human nature we want to know what's going on with us exactly what's going on so that we can be prepared right yes yeah <laughs> so that moment like okay i'm diagnosed with cancer but then you do the pet scan and you need to know okay how long do you have mm. until like it's not a long time you you just go for your scan today tomorrow you'll get the result but that moment that 12 hours or 24 hours feels like years that you've been waiting okay uh where like up mm. to which other part of your body has it spread yeah how many days hours months or years you have mm. with you uh, that is the most uh, fearful um situation the emotionally mm. like physically of course there are other difficulties as well the emotionally yeah. that was the most difficult time that i i felt so the not waiting. knowing not knowing is the most difficult mm, not yeah. knowing yes and waiting to Waiting. be known known yeah yeah to know about that is the exactly most difficult exactly where, where you yeah. stand or mm. where like a, a, to the point that i actually you won't believe me i even thought about the funeral i told my husband where exactly my funeral need to held we talk about our will as well obviously i have three children mm-hmm. um i've always wanted my family to take my like once I died and I wanted my funeral to be held in Nepal but then oh. the entire situation was so chaotic I just tell my husband don't worry mm. if I die make sure you just do the cremation here in Hong Kong I'm mm. fine with that mm. although I have talked to you before regarding this yeah. and I just didn't wanted my families to have misunderstanding so I immediately told my sisters as well okay make sure 
That's what I. That's the instruction that I gave it to my husband. So you guys, because all my family know that if something happened to me before, I have talked that I want my funeral to be held in Nepal. That's what I wanted. But then that moment, that time, I told them, looking at the whole thing, okay, I'm happy with me being like cremated in Hong Kong. <laughs> that's what I told them. So <laughs> I know it's really tough, but then yeah. it's just like you need to know when you die, like. They, you want them to be at peace as well. Yeah, yeah. and uh, during that short period of time when you're waiting, yeah, to know exactly what it what it is, where it is, and how to go about it, you are thinking about your funeral. You are thinking about your will. You see, like it's it's like your mind has skipped the whole part of okay, the treatment, the living, and it has jumped. To making sure that your family knows uh, that if something happens, then you know what they have to do. Yeah, because uh, that was the waiting time. You know, mm. like for example, if I knew, okay, I got this stage two. These are the treatment I'm gonna get. Mm. Then most probably I would have something different in mind. Mm. But then that was the time that I knew I was diagnosed with cancer, but I'm not so sure. Until until tomorrow, I won't be knowing what is going to happen and for how long. Like mm. like I said before, like how long I'm gonna I have yeah in my hand. So just wanted to make like you never know. So just make sure everything. Just you wanted to be it. prepared. Yes, prepare. Okay. <laughs> you wanted to, you to be prepared. You wanted them to be prepared. Yes, I think it's um yeah. Mm. That's, that's We all. are laughing thinking about that time. We are laughing talking about what you did at that time but at that time it must have been very hard to say to your husband that I'm okay if you cremate me in Hong Kong uh, you know or telling your family about your will it must have been really really hard at that time nonetheless we are laughing and remembering that yes. memory yeah it's the it's the very uh, difficult time of course um My husband was really saddened with the news and mm. it was um, really difficult for him, mm. much more difficult than for me. Uh, I was not able to talk to my mom. I didn't want my mom to worry about me. So I've just told my sisters somehow my mom find out later on. Um, I did tell my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very lucky. The, the, the moment I was diagnosed, I called my sister in Australia. Mm. I had no idea. The next day, she arrived Hong Kong. Wow. I was like, oh, this, that's like so much support. Yeah. When she was here, mm. uh, she took me around and um, yeah. I think different person um, goes through the different phase mm. and um, uh, they feel different in a different time during yeah. the treatment as well because yeah. the treatment itself is a pretty long process. Mm -hmm. It Like I had to do the surgery, then after that I need to go through the chemotherapy for four months, and then I had to go for radiotherapy for extra two months, mm -hmm. and now I'm on a hormonal therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I was diagnosed, I was done. I had no idea. I was completely lost. Yeah. Then I got a lot of support from my family, uh, my husband, my sister, my parents, and uh, very good friends that I got support, mm -hmm. that I'm blessed. Mm -hmm. I'm so blessed that I have, I'm surrounded by so many good people. Then when I realized like my husband was so hardly like down because of that, that was the moment I just thought, 
the, the entire scenario is so scary and worrying like me and my husband were in the bed and then we were both crying mm. we cried for one day we're trying to figure out the next day my sister was there the next day and we're still crying and I got a young kids they're outside they're making the noise my boys twins they were just four and a half and then my daughter 12 and a half and I, I just thought that wait a second this is not right mm. I am sick yes I'm sick but I'm still alive. Mm. So I said to my husband, don't worry. Mm. I will figure out and I'll find the best of the best doctor and I'm going to get treated. You know, the confidence, the strength I see is very, very uh, plausible. Uh, and especially women in um, is seen as a very is as a caregiver or seen as a very um, as a nurturer right and uh, in many Nepali household the role of women um, is caring for the family and uh, children's need the role of doing that is very big so how greatly were you worried for being or not being able to take care of your family and children's need you said that your son they were just four four and a half years old and your husband who himself was very much affected emotionally by the news yes i think like before the treatment, uh, obviously, before the surgery, mm. I feel fine. Yeah, it's just like now. Yeah, I feel fine because it's there, but not not none of the things has been done in my body. Yeah, chemical yeah. everything. I I that time I feel okay. This is the time that I need to control, take control mm. of the situation. Otherwise, mm. it's gonna just get worse. Yeah. Mm. But then when I was actually going through the treatment, and when I was thinking that time, I do remember the time that feeling. Uh, and I'm saying sorry to myself or I didn't say to my kids or my parents in my heart I said sorry Mm -hmm. I said I'm so sorry if I die Mm -hmm. I'm sorry if I cannot take care of you I have always been the very uh, a big and a strong uh, part of the family. Yeah. I've always been there as a strong member of the family. Mm-hmm. And that moment, when you go through that weakness, I felt as if I was a bird in the case, mm-hmm. just lying down on the bed and not being able to do almost a lot of things, like physical things, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is not that easy. Mm. You said to yourself, I'm sorry that I can't take care of my own family. Yes, and I said to my parents. Mm. I I never told them personally, but Mm. in my heart when I was just lying there, I just said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I made you worried about me. Mm. I'm sorry that... You guys have to go through this because of me. Mm. You were blaming yourself in a way. I think it is in a way, it Mm. was in a way, because in a way I feel like if I was healthy that time, maybe most probably it would not have been affected my family that much, you know. Mm. I heard that my mom actually lose like four kilos within four weeks. And um, I didn't even want to talk to my mom. Mm Mm-hmm. 
in at that moment I felt like a baby. I mm. I really wanted to sleep on my mom's lap. Mm. I and luckily my dad came from yeah. UK. He's always there and I I was always constantly looking for my dad. Mm. And uh, I didn't wanted my mom to be there because I didn't wanted my mom to see me going through the whole physical changes as well. Yeah. Yeah, and then I didn't talk to her that much because I could not talk. I I could not talk that much. So I didn't wanted her to know that I was so weak that I cannot talk to her, you know, in in full strength. Yes. And that was the reason like when I was when I finished my chemotherapy and then uh, when I was going through the radiotherapy, that was the time that I was bit like uh, I had some strength in my mm. body and then that's the time okay mom you can come to Hong Kong <laughs> so my mom and dad came again yeah so you know listening to that it again the strength that you showed at that time you called them back after you think that okay I can handle it I am yeah. strong enough yeah. because you just don't, didn't want to um you know see them in pain yes. yourself yes. and that you felt that in a way uh you know by becoming sick you have added burden to them or you have you, kind of emotional yeah, pain yeah yeah emotion you have caused emotional pain to them mm. <sighs> yeah but uh at the same time uh there are times that i i said to myself okay this is it mm. so there was once a time that i said to my husband take me out and he goes <laughs> like where is it go to the park are you sure i said yes mhm Then he took me to the park and then we were sitting there on a bench and I said to him you sit here I'm going to walk up to that distance and I'm going to come back mm. he said remember you take your phone with you <laughs> I said are you sure maybe you're right okay then I took my phone I was just literally like 5 to 80 steps away mm-hmm. then I just felt really tired and I said okay I'm going to come back by the time I wanted to come back Mm. I just couldn't move my legs. <laughs> oh, you were that tired. <laughs> I said, "Oh, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes, mm-hmm. Sometimes. like if it is just the fourth day or second day of the chemo, then that's the time. Oh, uh, feel- otherwise, it's not that um, all gloomy. You can actually go out, and then um, my husband will always try to feed me well and prepare all my favorite food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There are times that I feel hungry as well." Yeah. There are times that I can't eat at all. There are times that I can eat a lot as well. Mm. So I think it is a uh, balance it out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I hear that your husband was a great source of strength and support to you during that time. Yes. And I'm sure that he still is a great source of strength and support to you now. Um y- you told me that he himself cried a lot after hearing the news about your um diagnosis i'm sure it took a lot of toll on his mental well-being as well uh you know what kind of stress or of anxiety or any kind of mental toll that he experienced well that time i didn't notice anything uh-huh. but then um I can't say exactly what but then I I believe the way he look at the life is completely different. Mm. Uh, he has always been a um, kind of a very uh, uh relaxed person, you know mm. what I mean? Mm. But then with my diagnosis um I think he he was really worried that uh I may actually not survive. 
Oh. I can see the. I could feel the fear in his eyes. I could feel it. Fear for the worst. Yes, and uh, uh, that can be because the boys are really young. They were yeah. really young, and the girl was just going through the puberty. Maybe mm-hmm. that is one of the reason as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he seems a bit like a that time he was a bit absent-minded. Mm. He could not concentrate on anything. Okay. He just could not concentrate, and I can see that he could not concentrate. Yeah. And it just makes me feel, oh, that's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it it must be because of uh, me uh, that time. You know what I mean? Mm. He, he I wouldn't just, say because of you, but because, but, uh, because of the whole the, diagnosis. The yeah, the yeah diagnosis. let's not yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> rephrase uh, the sentence. Yeah. So, of course, at that time, your boys were four, four and a half, and... Your daughter, who was uh, a teenager, she's still a teenager now, but yeah. she was uh, 13, 14 years yeah. at that time. When something like this happens in a family, it affects the children as well, right? Yes. And uh, how did you and your husband make them understand what was going on with mommy? You know, like when you're actually really going through that, you want. I think different people will uh, make them understand in different ways. Mm. Uh, for me personally, I was trying to understand myself mm. and trying to figure out how to make them understand. Yeah. So in the process, I believe I could not understand my daughter because I went through the whole time during the treatment for the two months, my daughter was not close to me. Mm. She was not talking a single word. She'll come to my room, she'll pick from the room and she'll just go. And... I just didn't know what to say to her. Yeah. And then most probably she was out of words as well. She has no idea how to approach me. Mm. So it was after, like, I was halfway through my chemotherapy. Yeah. I was just lying down on bed. That was the time, that was the day that was happens to be, like, worst day. Like, I could hardly move. Uh-huh. And uh, she came to me. She knocked at the door. She goes, like, Mom, can you talk? I said, yes, I can. Then she goes, it's all right. And she went. Mm-hmm. After a few seconds, she come, I want to talk. Then she went again. Okay. Then she come again the third time. Yeah. I want to talk, but are you sure you can talk? I said, yes, I can talk. Come, okay. Just come here, sit beside me, and you talk to me. Mm. And she could not talk. She just sat beside me. Mm. And I said to her, and... I needed to talk to her. I said to her, you said you want to talk to me, but you can't. I can understand. Are you worried I won't be anymore? Mm-hmm. And she just said, who would not be? And she just hugged me and cried and cried and cried. So that is like a, the first time ever she communicated or, and yeah, expressed communicated. that time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to say for that moment, mm-hmm. that, that very moment. But later on, I told her, life is a circle. Yeah. As much as is the truth and the fact that we are all born in this world, mm-hmm. there is the fact also that one day we all have to die. Yep. And I told my daughter... In the world, a lot of people dies because of a lot of other reasons as well. Mm. My treatment I'm going through and I, I'm diagnosed with a cancer, not necessarily it's going to kill me. Mm. But if it kills me, 
you need to understand this is the human circle, the circle of life. Mm. And if it doesn't, then also this is what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But one thing you need to keep in your mind is I am doing my best from my side as well. Mm. And then we're getting the treatment and hopefully I'll be there for you. That's what I told her. Um, because I didn't know what, any other things like what, what I can tell her. Yeah, I think um, what you said to her is really is 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 good that you told her you you just did not just put information on information on her saying that yeah this is this and this is that but you tried to make her understand how life works yeah and if you come back stronger after this then still someday she needs to expect that people who are born will be gone you know sometime yes. yeah uh, in some time yeah And I think your daughter, it helped your daughter a lot to make sense of what was going on. And uh, thinking about that and to the present situation, how do you think your bond with your daughter and your sons have grown since the experience? Mm, me and my daughter, we have always been... Um Very close, mm-hmm. very close. And uh, of course, with the teenagers, there is always something, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, one surprising thing, I would not say it's a surprising thing, but one thing that I have noticed after that is, I think my daughter is much more uh, mentally, uh, how do you call that? Not grown up, but like see things as a very matured person. Oh. You wouldn't, you wouldn't like... I would not think like she's a she's 16 now, 16 mm-hmm. year old girl um, in so many things that are very simple thing. When I asked her, the mm-hmm. way she answers, the way she reacts, how she behaves, how she thinks is so grown up. Sometimes it just gives me the goosebump. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One time I was literally joking. I said to her like, hey, mom. And she goes like, come on. <laughs> she was talking like a really mature lady uh-huh. when I was like, hey, hey, hey hello, hello. Okay. <laughs> so I think this um, has uh, make her uh, mature much more earlier than her age. Mm. Yeah. What about your sons? Boys were really young. So mm. um, for the boys, like... Uh, I had I I really didn't know what to say. Mm. They asked me like, "Mom, mom, why did you cut your hair so short?" Yeah. And I just said it's I should have explained to them, but uh-huh. I didn't I didn't know that moment what to say. I just said, "Oh, because it's so hot." Oh, but, you said because yeah. it's very hot. <laughs> yeah. But then they're like really smart. Kids are really smart, yeah. So They are. They goes like next time when you feel hot, mm. you make sure you use the hat or you use the fan. Don't cut your hair so short. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very innocent answer. <laughs> yeah, and um, but for this one, I I would say that um, I did went to approach the um, cancer link. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lady who came with the books, mm. and then um, it actually uh, supported me in a great uh, way that mm. she came to my house with the books, and they make the boys understand. Oh. Mommy has to fight this virus. Uh, how the virus acts and how the children should behave. And this was a really, really great help. Oh. Yes. So, you know, you said you you didn't know how to make yes. them understand, yeah. but you seek help. Yes. From yeah. someone who can make them understand. Yeah. 
Because uh, I told them that I, I just don't know what to say. Maybe they, because they're so helpful. They said, "What kind of help do you need?" Oh. So I'll, I'll tell them, okay, uh, I'm I'm feeling uh, maybe I'm lack, lacking on how to inform my boys in mm. a proper way so that they can understand the mm. whole situation and the scenario. So they were really really helpful in this matter. Oh, that's very, you know, nice to hear. Yeah, that. Um, You know, in all this, what I am getting is that despite that you were uh, diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, you still were a strong uh, figure in uh, the family's life, uh, letting them know that you are doing your best, letting them know that whatever happens, that, uh, you know, preparing them for whatever worse is to come or, you yes. know, in all this situation. Yeah. But you are the person who is, you know, you are the patient here. You need some comfort and support as well. Yes. Who was the number one person to get that support? Where you can go and cry and say, "I'm feeling the, I'm feeling shit. I'm feeling this. I need this. Please do this for me. Hug me. You know." Who was that number one person? I really, really wanted to do this with my um. Husband and with my mom, uh huh. But I did not. Okay. I chose not to because I think I didn't want them to see me weak. Oh, you did not want them to no. see you. Weak. I wanted to be the strong figure that I has, I have been before, and that's what I wanted to be. Oh. But then, with my sister, uh huh, and my dad, uh huh, and my friends, yeah, I cried. Hmm. I cried, yes. So my sister, who came from Australia, mm. I cried with, every time I had something. Then I'll cry with her. Mm. I tell my dad every pain that I go through. Mm. Then there was two very very strong figure, the friends that I have. I I I just don't know how to repay them back. Mm. Actually, it's not only two. There are several. Yeah. Uh, but um, Kathy, my mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. She was there to guide me almost every alternative Saturday or Saturdays. She mm. will be there with me for several hours, mm. and she helped me in so many ways. And I'll tell her everything as well. Mm. And uh, so as Karen, Karen was the one who took me out when I was going through the chemo, and I just could not move, and I was so worried, like something might, like I might get weak. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I may get some other virus or something because I'm going through the chemotherapy. But she goes like, "Hey, you need to go out." Yeah, and completely different world. And she opened up the world for me. Then mm. I had a friend. Um, see, uh, I have another friend called Ellie. Yeah, uh, she was literally with me there during this um, all of the process as well. Yeah. So, and there are all, a lot of other friends that I have who has been with me. Mm. Supported me like Shristi, mm-hmm. so I'm really, really blessed with the good friends. Okay, yeah. Well, you became the pillar of strength for your family. You seek comfort and support from your friends. Yes, a truly blessed person. <laughs> 
Recently, I read this book called Option B by Sheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant. Mm -hmm. And in that book, I came across this theory called ring theory. We talked about it before the recording as well. So the ring theory is developed by a clinical psychologist, uh, Susan Silk, who also is a breast cancer survivor. So what happened to her was, uh, you know, when she was diagnosed and friends came to her and friends were just like, I, I was not prepared for this. I don't know how to, you know, what to make sense of this. I didn't know this would happen. And when she heard her friends saying this, uh, she kind of later on uh, de- revised, devised this theory, ring theory, where it basically um, is just a simple theory that allows people what to say, what to do with the person at crisis. So basically what you need to do is draw a circle and write the name of the person who is in crisis. We try to do it. Uh, so, the, at, you know, for you, it would be Aruna, uh, who yeah. is at the center of crisis at that time, right? Then draw a bigger circle around that one and write the name of the person who are most affected by the event. That would be your closest, your husband, your children, your sister, your mother, Parents, your father, yeah. right? And then draw a larger circle again. And again, write down the name of the people or write da- just write down um, who, you know, just write down friends or write down colleagues. So you can draw as big circles as you want. And what it does, it, it forms a quetching order. It forms a order where people can seek comfort mm-hmm. and also get comfort. Yes. Yeah. But there are some rules to this. And the, the rule is that... The person who is at the center of the crisis can complain and can cry and can whine and can do anything to all the people in that circle. But the people, you know, the people who are on the other circle, the outer circle, they can only give support. They can only give support to the people who are in the inner circle and they can only seek comfort from the people who are far removed from the inner circle. Mm-hmm. So in the, in that way, it what it does, it, it gives us a form of uh, getting comfort as well as giving comfort to the person who, are, who is at the center of the whole crisis. Mm-hmm. You said you have lots of friends who were there for you. Uh, you know, uh, were there any experience or any moments where you were really shocked by how your friends reacted or what they said to you, <laughs> just like Susan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like, um, friends sometimes, um, it's not sometimes, they always want good for you. Mm, but exactly. Especially when you are going through this kind of crisis, uh, they don't know what is to say what are the words you need to say what are the yeah. things to tell you so i i had just had a surgery and then it was the second day of my surgery and then my friend came to visit me mm. and um she just started like oh uh there was a friend that i knew and then she was uh, dancing in this tease party and all this <laughs> stuff just a month ago and suddenly i see uh r.i.p okay then she continues again. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that is just when you are out of the surgery. <laughs> yes. And then she continued giving me another example. Uh-huh. By the time she was giving me another example, I told her, like, 
Uh, maybe this is not the right place to talk about that. Let's change the topic. Mm. I told her up front. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think... I, I know she meant to be sad, I think, or she wanted something... I, I or really lighten up. Lighten oh, up. No, not or, lighten up. The, that wouldn't lighten up the mood. Who did? <laughs> but then that was the really, really like, I was like, oh, seriously, I, I, I had to hear that. Like uh-huh. somebody just passed away <laughs> due to cancer. And mm. you're telling me now who, who's going, just newly diagnosed with cancer and yeah. had a surgery. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, or someone will just say, oh, uh, you're really strong. Mm. You're a very strong person and you can handle it. Mm. And, um, Uh, sometimes this kind of thing happens to a strong person mm. because the God knows that you can handle it. <laughs> Seriously? I don't want to be strong for this kind of stuff. Why do yeah. I need to be strong for this? You know what I mean? Yeah. If I have to handle this. Yeah. I know that person means to give me this strength, but mm. maybe that is not the right time. Yeah, or not yeah. the right way to yeah, give you, uh, you know, support yeah. <laughs> at that time. Yeah. And what were the best thing or the things that really helped you that your friends or your family said at that time the best thing that really helped me was um like again my friend um karen and kathy they were like uh, an ally they they know exactly how much information to give me mm. you know mm-hmm. they were telling me what i needed to know mm. nothing more nothing mm. less what to expect yeah And I think that helped me a lot to understand my situation, mm-hmm. where I stand. Mm. Uh, that was like a clinical way, yeah? yeah. That's, that's really helped me a lot. Uh, whereas my dad, he was really focused like, okay, what's your next treatment? How are you feeling today? Mm. What have you eaten? Are you going to eat this or not? You know, mm-hmm. you need some kind of authoritative things there as well. Uh-huh. Uh, whereas my sister is always there like, uh, how are you feeling today? And then when I'm feeling really down... I literally just call her. We uh-huh. I would not say hello, nothing. I'll call her, she pick up the phone and I'll just cry. Okay. I just cry, 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 cry and then stop and put it. Mm. And she know I just needed to cry that moment. Yeah. And she was there, she was present. And in she your picked life. up the phone anytime, anytime. Anytime I call her, she'll pick up the phone. Mm. And she's always there for me. Um but then Yeah, it's it's really really good support that I got. Mm. Yes, from the friends circle. Uh, obviously, my husband he was trying to lighten me up uh, with. Um, he's always asking me, "What do you feel like having? What do you feel like having? Mm. What you should eat? What you should not eat?" Like <laughs> <laughs> he's always trying to go with me. Mm. Yeah, uh, but uh, what I felt another thing that I realize now is if somebody is going through this kind of scenario or situation then don't feel shy to ask for help. I yeah. think that is the most important thing mm-hmm. I, I can like. Uh, because that moment, uh, I did had a friends who took my kids uh, to the park or they, they take care of my sons for uh, one day, you know. Obviously, yeah. in Hong Kong, everybody has the helper, yeah. But you need that quiet moment as well, especially when when you have the small kids. So it helped me a lot. Uh, but then now I think I wish I would have shouted out more at my friends. <laughs> like, hey, Sristi, take my boys out for a day. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so um, if somebody really want to support a person who is going through this kind of situation, mm. I think the best thing is like, it's not only the person who is going through that, like you mm. said before. Mm. It's the entire family themselves. Yeah. So it's very important to... Um, 
like uh, if you want to help you can always help like uh, because the spouse for mm-hmm. example his spouse themselves are also not on the like you know Uh, right state of mind at the beginning they exactly. they're also really lost they are also not sure, sure what they are they're at the circle just next to the person at crisis yes, right so yes. they are the they are the uh, second yeah most important yeah. people in that crisis yeah. in that rings theory yeah so you can uh, talk to them or uh, talk to the children and this actually really helps mm. yeah. what you said here uh, really was important really is important what you said here is uh, everybody wants to help you at that time sometimes yeah. they don't know how to help yes, you yes yeah so You also have to let them know how they can help you. That's the thing, right? Yes. Yeah. So you can uh, let them know that you can help me by taking my boys out to the park. Yeah. You know. So let the people who wants to help you help also you. know what how they can help you. Yes. I think this is one of the uh, important lesson we can learn from this whole experience yes. as well, because everybody wants to be there for. for you know for the friends who are going through yeah because some some friends they don't even know what to say then they are scared to call you yeah because they don't know what to say yeah if i say this one uh, like for example me myself would have put myself in a difficult situation to face a friend who's if someone goes through this scenario mm. i don't know what exactly what to say yeah apart from am i supposed to say i'm sorry you're going through this or am i so am i supposed to say Let's fight it together. Or mm. what is the word to confront that person? Mm. It's not that easy. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So besides your friends and families, did you join any kind of support groups? Or when you are in a, uh, when we are in a very vulnerable position in life, what we do is we try to we are we are open to different kind of things that can help us mm-hmm. for example many people are open to uh, meditating get some peace mindfulness be present or counseling or joining some kind of support group did you do any uh, kind of these things yeah actually i joined um, quite a few mm-hmm. so i joined the counseling mm-hmm. uh, they're the one who actually helped my boys to understand yeah Uh, apart from that, uh, they also provided some other uh, healing classes as well. That healing class helped me so much. It was just for 15 minutes, but felt it, it was really, really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I joined the uh, Cancer Foundation. Yeah. Uh, there I learned about how to do your uh, uh, manual uh, drainage. because uh, I had the breast cancer then I need to have the uh, um, I need to get the um, uh, mastectomy uh-huh. and um, because it was in the lymph node as well so mm-hmm. my lymph nodes a huge amount of lymph nodes were removed mm-hmm. so basically entire lymph node from my axilla is axilla clearance mm-hmm. so there is a very high chances of me getting a lymphedema okay. on my uh, right hand Okay. so I need to do the Uh, manual drainage massage every day by yourself so, by myself yes okay. and it's good that uh, they teach you how to do it they give mm. you a class mm. if you are not uh, so sure how to do it you can attend the class mm. uh, they can even give you the video mm-hmm. you can take home and play mm. uh, then uh, you can go there to uh, do the measurement of your arm like uh, is it getting worse or mm. is it under control mm. so this is a great support okay. that i find uh, apart from that there is uh, another uh, uh, 
it's not a foundation, but it's called Cancer Connection. Mm-hmm. I was introduced by a, a friend as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, the ladies are really supportive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are really supportive. They talk about what are the new uh, medication or treatment in market. Mm-hmm. Or what are the things that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the things you need to talk to the someone who has newly been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very supportive team. So very supportive team. So you join different support groups. Yes, yes. And uh, you just mentioned a few of the things that I would like to touch upon. So in the process, in the treatment process, especially during chemotherapy, people will lose hair. And not only that, you know, some uh, treatment method also requires um, a mastectomy, uh, the one that you did, that is removal of the the um, the breast and also you removed your lymph nodes mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. It can affect a woman's self-image. Yes. Did it affect yours? <laughs> I, 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 yeah. It may sound a little bit strange, but it didn't affect me. <laughs> I, I <laughs> was, <laughs> I was bold, and I was just walk, walking there. Yeah. Sometimes I will cover my head uh, yeah. to look beautiful, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but then I will just walk like that. Uh, so. Yeah. It did not affect me that much. Mm. And uh, even with the mastectomy, uh, it did not really. Mm. Because maybe one of the reasons was like, I'm not like young, young, you know. If you're mm-hmm. really young, maybe to a certain extent it will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'm already a mother at this stage where I already have uh, three kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I'm not that young as well. Like I'm not uh, at the young early, at 30s, heart. <laughs> early 30s or something like that, you know. Uh-huh. So it did not really affect it that, that much. Uh, mm. Apart from um, one day, uh, when I just took a shower and accidentally I look at myself in the mirror. Mm. And that was the time when I was looking at myself. I was just like, okay, this is not me. <laughs> I actually do look scary. Okay. I did. And that's the time I, I just felt, oh. But then other than that, no. That was the only time. That was the only time, yeah. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> so, um, we're almost at the end of our um, interview today. Mm-hmm. So, I know that uh, even after the surgery, after the treatment, there are still follow-ups mm-hmm. and uh, there is uh, maintenance medications or you need to go through a certain years of maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, do you have such... Uh, are you going through such phase Yes. And how are you holding up your mental well-being at this time? Uh, currently, um, I have done all the treatment that is uh, needed to be done. Like, mm. for example, the surgery, the chemotherapy and the radiotherapy. Yeah. So right now I'm on a hormonal therapy. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm taking the, uh, that medication that lasts for 10 years. So I got seven more years to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. And... Um, with the with the treatments, of course, there is always uh, some uh, side effects. Side effects, but then when you have gone through so much, this little bit of a side effect seems like nothing. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. As long as you're breathing, and you're surviving, mm. just leave that moment. Mm. Be happy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, you are a very strong lady. I can say that. Uh, nonetheless, uh, if you are having some heart times or if you want to cry or just you know having a having a day where you think it is too much then you still go back to your dad and your sister for your support it sounds yes (laughs) and of course my friends as well i'll text my friend Mm. (laughs) because because uh 
you know, it's it's a it's a very long process, and you still need to continue to have that support system in your life, because treatment, as important as it is, the maintenance phase is also very important. And you said it's a ten years, yeah, long process, right? Mm-hmm. So the continuous support is. Important. I, I really think continuous support is really important. Uh, as long as you want to have your live your normal uh, regular yeah. lifestyle, mm. go through that. But every now and then, it seems like there is things. Then you feel suddenly, okay, what's going on? Mm. Uh, just for an example, like um, it's not easy. Like it, I have never lost a friend in my life. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's good that all my friends are healthy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. During this whole treatment session, I made a lot of friends. Yeah. Who, who we were all fighting Survivors. cancer and we were going through the treatment. Oh. And it has been just three years, but I have lost so many friends awesome. that I I get to know during that process. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you, you will be so saddened and you'll be worried every now and then and you'll be scared and... Mm-hmm. You just feel so sorry and you feel like I really feel I wish that I could do something more to help the family or or, or a friend, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that is that is quite difficult in certain ways. Mm. Yeah. I feel so encouraged and so motivated by what you are you what you have said during our interview. And Lastly, I would like to ask you this question. How hard was it for you to openly talk about your experience, you know, today? And what motivated you to talk about it? Well, I strongly still believe that um, in our society, Mm -hmm. in Nepalese society, cancer Mm -hmm. is still considered as a taboo. Yeah. People doesn't want to talk about it openly. Mm-hmm. And they still think you have done some kind of sin in the past. That's why you have a sickness this in this life. Mm. So I, I really want to talk openly about this. Mm-hmm. To let the people who are also fighting for cancer or some maybe some of their friends or relatives or somebody yeah. and not to worry about the people or society what they think. Yeah. It's not because what we did. Yeah. It is the sickness. Anybody yeah. can get it. Anybody can get it. Yes, and it's not a taboo. Mm. Let's get over that now. Mm. And if I talk about it openly today, I'm really hoping that it is a bit helpful for the society and there are other people who are also feel okay, I can talk about myself as well. Mm. Because everybody express their um feelings. Mm. or their worries in a different ways. Mm-hmm. For me, when I express it out, mm-hmm. I feel lighter. Maybe there are so many other Nepalese who want to express it out, but then they can't because it's a taboo in the society. Mm. And they're not getting the enough help, mm. what they should get the help. Like yeah. you said, the mental health. Yeah. It's not only the mental health. There are so many other help. For mm. Like, for example, um, the, the, the mastectomy that yeah. I, I went through, then I met a, a, another lady mm-hmm. who had exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know how you need to balance your body, yeah? Yeah. Otherwise, if you have a... Because we, women, we have a two breasts that is balanced, yeah? 
Yeah. But then suddenly you have the mastectomy on one side, then you'll have only on one on side one side. Mm. So your your posture is going to be like really bad. Mm-hmm. Then it's going to hurt your spine. Mm. So it's really important to have some kind of synthesis on the other side. Yeah. But then to if you just that balance. Yeah, to you have to balance it. But if you you're just going to use just the sponge or something that is light yeah, material light material is not going to balance it up. Uh-huh. So this kind of thing we can learn by opening up. Yeah, Don't sharing hide our it. experiences. Share, mm-hmm. seek help, mm-hmm. get advice. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. Okay. Yeah. And with that, we are at the end of our interview. Thank you so much Aruna Didi for your time and sharing your story. I know it is it it is difficult to share such personal stories uh, especially to uh, people who you have just met or <laughs> who you don't have long uh, history a friendship with but you trusted your story with me and you came and you did this interview and i'm really really thankful for that and i think people who listen to our interview today would gain valuable information on seeking help from people in being you know the source of strength continually being the source of strength to the family and also some information on treatment that was all very useful i am really really honored to hear this story and i think all the people who are listening to us feel the same thank you so much for your time Thank you so much uh, Elsa, Elisa for inviting me as well and uh, I'm really uh, yes honored to be here as well mm-hmm. and uh, one last thing not list but Yeah sure sure go uh, ahead if anyone get diagnosed hopefully nobody got but if anyone please please do remember to take someone with you mm-hmm. when you go to see a doctor it's so important mm-hmm. because you won't be at the right state of mind at that time mm-hmm. so it's very important you take a very good family member or a friend or someone who knows something about it and take with you mm-hmm. and ask the right question okay yes yeah thank you very much so that was our conversation with breast cancer survivor Aruna Rana and this has been a lovely time chatting with her. Uh, this is your host Elisa signing off on this episode of Big Issue Small Talk.